0: Hey, this is Neely Brush. I play guitar and you're listening to Talkin' Blues.
1: So, recently I came across a clip of you playing one of my favorite guitar solos. Actually, you played the whole song, which is Rise by Extreme. Uh-huh. So, I, ever since i heard that song and especially the guitar solo i've been fascinated by it yeah i'm not a guitar player uh-huh. so i can't judge but okay. i think even rick beato said that it is one of the great guitar solos that nuno is the man now I, so yes <laughs> I'm, I'm curious when you heard it because i think I, I think there's a connection between you and extreme but mm. when you first heard that guitar solo, what did you think
0: uh well i mean look i loved it just as much as everybody else does i kind of feel like from my perspective everything is biased because i've always been aware that nuno is has always been the man (laughs) you know what i mean and so to me if if anything i kind of i kind of heard it of or i kind of heard it as nuno is here to say like I I have not forgotten about you guys, you know, like I am, I am here to make a statement and like, that's kind of what it said to me, but both the song and the solos, it was just kind of like, there's a Renaissance of extreme coming. And as a fan that, that was like, you know, that was the greatest thing about it. But, you know, in general, of course it's a, it's a killer solo. It's a great song. It's got a great hook and great riff and, Gary sounds amazing on it. I mean, it's 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 a hit. So it's hard not to like everything about it.
1: <laughs> but technically, I can't imagine that guitar solo being very easy to learn.
0: It's not. But I mean, again, it's like the, none of Nuno's stuff is. You know, I don't think it was ever right. known to be. So I, that's why I think it, for a lot of people, it just it fell in line with what they're used to getting from him and it's just been such a long time that it's just like oh music to my literally music to my ears kind of thing you know like we've waited so long
1: so how long does it take someone of your caliber to hear that and go okay i'm gonna do this and to actually replicate that solo uh
0: i mean it depends on a few things um
1: but let's take that solo.
0: Okay. So that solo specifically um, took a little longer just in terms of it's new, you know, I haven't Mm -hmm. like grown up with it. I haven't had the time to listen to it a million times as much as something that lives that deeply inside me. And like, that's usually what determines how quickly I learn something. Like if I know it inside out like that, like, let's say, a different Nuno solo that I'd heard since I was 10, 11 years old, that might take me a little less time just because I don't have to familiarize myself with wh- what it sounds like. I just have to figure out how to play it. So with Rise, it, it's an, or with anything else that's new or new to me, I just kind of have to really familiarize myself with it first. And I think it's maybe maybe it is less accurate than some of the other things i've covered because it's it's still new to me and i go back and i listen to the song now and i'm like ah shit i missed that you know like it just you just you know you do what you hear that day you know so at a certain point it was just it's sitting down it's learning it um and then like practicing it and and getting it like ready to go um that one took a little longer than some things because there's, you know, there's some mysteries in there and, uh, I'm told I play it very differently than Nuno does, which is a good thing because it means that I actually like really did the work and try to figure out a way that was playable and what like made sense to me and just literally, cause I do things by ear and, and that's how I translate stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it was some... You know, like figuring out the right notes doesn't take that long. I think it's just getting it under your fingers that is like the hours of the work.
1: I don't know. There are parts when the, the movie the sounds coming at me so quickly. I can't imagine how. I how I understand. Relate.
0: I understand that. But you you that is what I have the most experience doing on the instrument than than possibly anything else. It's how I've learned every single thing of well, not every single thing I've ever learned. But like if I logged the amount of hours. That i've practiced in my life and what i actually spend time doing most of it was learning music by ear and i still continue to do that 95 percent of the time where i'm learning music for anything that i'm doing it's just the preferred way that i work because i've done it so much it's just become how i do things
1: okay so i know that you started pretty early mm-hmm. um and you picked up the classical guitar at the age of seven.
0: Yes, but we, we use we used those terms loosely because, you know, I don't know how serious most seven-year-olds are about their music lessons <laughs> unless they have, you know, like, unless they're forced into it. So.
1: But you also have an older brother. Yes. I, I, you still do. Right. And, and obviously he's <laughs> yeah. a musical influence, I like, think. Yes. So tell me about that initial attraction to the guitar I I don't know at the age of seven if Mm. you were totally attracted to the guitar or if it was just something you did Mm. tell me where you were at at age seven when you picked up the guitar
0: so it was kind of a a combination of stuff you know I I think it was uh, really clear to my family for as long as I've been around that that I love music and I'm I think I was, like, running around in diapers singing and stuff like that kind of thing, you know, so it was, like, very clear, like, get her playing some instrument, whatever, so I remember uh, my mom taking me to, like, the local conservatory in this little town, not little town, but this uh, city in Israel where we lived, and they they did, it's funny that I, I, like, have these specific memories but they did this uh call and response test where they would like sing out a rhythm and i would have to repeat it and they would gradually make it more complex until they would stump me kind of thing and i just remember that for some reason that was their way or one of the ways that they assessed what instruments they thought that i would be good at or have the aptitude for and so i just remember the person like, I don't even remember, I think it, I don't remember if it was a man or a woman, I think it was a man, but, like, I just remember him reading off the list of uh, instruments, and as soon as he got to guitar, I just kind of, like, didn't hear anything else, because I was just, like, well, my brother plays guitar, and he's cool, and I want to be like him, and I love music, and this, like, makes so much sense for me, Um, and, you know, me being that age and everything, uh, you get a little tiny classical guitar that, in my case, was, like, three-fourths of the size, probably, because I was really small and nothing else made sense. Um, But, you know, it was a few years later, I think by the time I was 11, that through Ethan, my brother, again, I, I, you know, I I knew the song more than words, just like everybody else did, but thanks to him, I discovered the rest of that album, and that was what kind of gave birth to that strong connection with Extreme for me, and then from there, it was just like, oh... I really want to play electric guitar because this is this is how the music that i'm really into is made it's not just a coincidence that i like music and that i think my brother is cool it's like this is this is how you make the sounds that i'm really into now so that was a really big moment in my life i guess that that the discovery of of the funky metal riffs in particular was just like you know and to me still now those those records kind of sound like my childhood and in a lot of ways no matter how many times I've heard them since it's like that memory was instilled like so you know how like a certain record sounds like a certain time in your life everybody's got that kind of thing but I've also found that sometimes you if you continue on listening to that record throughout other periods of your life it might lose that (laughs) and it just becomes like just more of a, a, a a record that takes its journey with you but these are ones that like still like I feel like I'm you know I think like I'm 10 years old so um I'm hoping to like always perceive them that way
1: when did the ability of hearing music by year and playing by year come like when was that apparent to you that you had that
0: uh I mean I think it was pretty early on that it was apparent that that was my natural way of kind of Doing things if I'm left to my own devices because I remember times where you know maybe I'd been taking lessons, but I definitely wouldn't have called myself a, a guitarist or anything. You know, when I was really little, and there'd be a, a keyboard around the house or something, and I would try to play a guitar solo like on keys, like really slowly, like this, trying to figure out like if I could hear the first three notes of something really fast that didn't make sense when I already didn't play the instrument, you know. So I think it was just obvious that. I'm kind of reaching for something and that's always been natural to me. But again, it's the thousands and thousands and thousands of hours that have followed of actually doing that on the instrument.
1: Do you remember when you thought this is what I want to do?
0: Um, Probably somewhere in my teenage years, you know, and again, having, having my brother as an example is always something that kind of, I don't want to say like made things, easier or anything but it just it kind of clarified the picture a little bit more because when i was let's say in later high school and i'd kind of figured out that i wanted to go to berkeley college of music and that maybe to to not to every set of parents that makes a lot of sense but i already had someone who had been through it and has done the journey and we kind of it wasn't foreign to us we knew what it was about and so it, it was it wasn't like one particular moment but I think it was just over the course of several years that I kind of started figuring out where it's like if you really can't feel like you have anything else to do like if you really can't think of anything it's like you don't choose it you know it's like it's it's by it's it's by the necessity of like that's the only thing left so So in a way you know if that makes sense.
1: No, it, it certainly does. I've certainly spoken to enough musicians to know that oftentimes it's not a choice. Yeah, it doesn't and, feel and, and,
0: like it, at least.
1: Yeah, or, or that it just seems silly to not do it. Yeah. You know, this is the path and there is no doubt. Right. Um, for somebody like myself who really has no musical talent, it would be like just a difficult journey. But, you know, for somebody who has talent, who's lived it and who lives and breathes music, then it's a different story. I wonder when you decided to go to Berkeley, and obviously because your brother went, it might be a different story. But what did you hope to accomplish? What was what was the goal when going to Berkeley?
0: Well, particularly, I mean, personally for me, I I wanted to go to meet other musicians and preferably ones from all over the world because Berkeley is known for being a really international school. And aside from the fact that I love different cultures and different people and wanted to just make friends i really like the idea that everybody that comes from somewhere else is going to have a different set of influences and bring different genres with them and i didn't feel like i had the wherewithal to be inquiring into that on my own i felt like if i'm immersed around a bunch of people and i have no choice then now i'm like i'm exposed to all this music I didn't feel like I was going to go and really search for that if I wasn't kind of stuck in that situation, for lack of a better way of saying it. Um, and and also, I know that you can, you can get the information elsewhere, or you can take... Uh, I lived in Boston, I was lucky enough to live there, so you can take a private lesson with the same teachers. I knew that going to Berkeley specifically wasn't going to be the thing that makes me a better or worse musician, I just... I wanted to make connections I wanted to meet people and that was always the goal and so many of the people I work with now went to Berkeley you know like whether or not it was when I did and a few of my bandmates are close friends from college still to this day I mean it's just that's that's what I went for it's it's for the people and that's really what I got out of it And not to I got a great education out of it I try to make the most of it of course you know it's not like I didn't learn stuff there but I, I knew that like you can do the work. I just, I wanted the community.
1: That's interesting because I, through the company I work for, we do a lot of work with the Royal Conservatory of Music. Mm. And, and the thing that's apparent to me is a lot of people go to the conservatory and they, they get the opportunity to play and work with one another. And in in a lot of cases, these are going to be your lifelong friends and exactly. or people you'll be playing with exactly. years from now. Yeah. which I never thought about mm-hmm. until recently. Um, did you know? Other than the other than that, mm. which is a great goal to have. But did you have any other goals in terms of what you hope to get out of it when you finish Berkeley?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I wanted to learn to be a versatile player. You know, I I was taught, kind of rightfully so, that uh, that versatility equals employability, they used to say in Berkeley, which is really true, you know? And so I wanted to be a well-rounded musician. I wanted to be able to write well. I wanted to be able to play well and feel comfortable in different situations. And I, I you know, I don't think that journey really necessarily ended at graduation day or that it ever will but i think at least it put me in the infrastructure to kind of figure out how to continue working on it in the real world
1: i'm i'm curious as to like Joe Satriani mm-hmm. who you've worked with mm-hmm. how much of an influence would he would his music have been to you
0: well i mean he's a big influence for sure i mean i have a lot of players from this genre of the instrumental music, let's say, um, that have been a big influence.
1: You know, looking at your solo work, that seems to be, you know, one side of you. But when mm-hmm. I look at the different bands that you've, you play with, mm-hmm. or have played with, mm-hmm. it's all over the map. Right.
0: there. Well, um, there goes that goal of versatility.
1: <laughs> right. So yeah. I and I get that. Right. Is, is there a disav- Like, is there not a disadvantage, but could that work against you in, in the way that no I shouldn't say that like I, I'm, I'm curious I as too, just to just how versatile you are no I know I
0: think I know what you're trying to say like is it hard to find a direction maybe or like
1: that's I, that seems to have a negative content. I guess no, more like no, if no. if people became your fan would no. they know you know there's a big no. difference between your solo stuff right. versus your Cirque du Soleil right. stuff versus your and I, do, and
0: I do encounter that, you know what I mean? Like, I, of course, there's there's going to be people that love Danny Elfman and, and they're not super into shredding. Like, that's completely valid. Like, I, right. I totally understand that. But, you know, and I'm just hoping that there's something for everybody kind of thing. You know, I, I love music. I've always felt that way about it. I play what I want to play. And if that happens to resonate with people great you know i don't expect everyone to like everything and that's that's totally fine that's i'm i would just be bored if i did one thing which makes sense and now i'm honestly just trying to like keep up with the juggling act because i think that is the other side of it is it can be tricky to just juggle all that stuff you know it's they're different musically and scheduling wise you know it can be a thing and so it's got a lot of layers for sure
1: Right. So, for for people who don't know, um, you're on the road this summer with a. What do you call that band?
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's called Death Clock. Which, right, Death Clock. Like,
1: but what would you call like? Oh,
0: it, like I guess it's people would call it you know melodic death metal. I guess would theoretically right. technically be the the genre, but it's it's a it's a fictitious band, right? uh based on a television show called metal which is oh, okay. a, which is a cartoon that was on adult swim you can still find it's still also on adult swim but you can get it on on max hbo max whatever it's called now um and the cartoon which start i think it started in 2006 and it was a really big thing because it basically it actually got a lot of people into metal And it also spoke to a lot of metal fans you know it's like there was that was the the cartoon for them you know it's just basically it's a really brilliant and funny cartoon about this death clock cartoon band (laughs) that are supposed to be the most famous dudes in the world and like kind of total idiots and it's (laughs) it nails down the culture of like beloved dumb metal people (laughs) and like it just speaks so, like, to the point that a lot of people ended up really growing up with it by this point, which is, which is crazy to me, because I, I the, the creator, Brendan Small, he went to Berkeley, and the show was really huge when I was in Berkeley, and so it was, like, impossible to be a metal kid at Berkeley without being into that. It was such a strong connection, and to, and to see it now, like, to, to go out on the road with it and see young kids that have now, like, again, grown up with it. It's it's so crazy. Um, but there was a movie that came out called Army of the Doomstar, and this tour was to, to follow that. And we're basically a, a pit band for for the cartoon. We're, we're in silhouettes, and there's a huge screen uh, with insane animation that we're just basically the the, the soundtrack for. So as, as Brendan says, we're meant to sound like Death Clock, not look like Death Clock. And... Uh, but it's a great TV show. It's a great cartoon. It's, it's brilliant. You know, it's got several seasons, I think four seasons. The, sh- the episodes are pretty short, but there's really great character development that goes on throughout the season. Like, it's really something beyond just funny. Um, and, uh, yeah. so
1: it's, have, And it's pretty heavy.
0: It's very heavy, yes.
1: <laughs> so yes. take that, and then you look at your work with Danny Elfman. Right. And you know you're basically playing to, the Simpsons theme song, or right. which is quite different. Right. And then and, you look at your solo stuff or the stuff that you, you know your progressive right. instrumental stuff right. that you do, it's a pretty impressive thing. Not to <laughs> mention Cirque du Soleil. Right. And and so how okay like Cirque du Soleil, how do you, how does that happen? How do you decide I want to do that, or um, does it work that way?
0: <laughs> for me, it didn't. Um, and you'd be surprised i mean we'll uh, we'll talk about surf but you'd be surprised that sometimes these genres and these bands and the things that you play are sim- closer to each other than it may seem at first glance at least there's some running theme always you can always find some kind of similarity um, even if the even if it's just that you're standing on stage <laughs> but, no but but, uh, um, but it is music no I mean... is, yeah 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 but uh, there are running themes but anyway when it comes to Cirque um my story with this particular show it's more with this show than I'm in rather than with Cirque du Soleil as a as a whole because it's a more specific situation in that show so it's their Michael Jackson show
1: right. and
0: because of that it's not where you have a, a regular pit orchestra off to the you know to the side or or even on stage and makeup or whatever it's it's not even that it's a it's a show without a band with two live musicians myself being one of them or the guitarist being one of them and uh, a female singer who's basically sitting on this crescent moon that's riding above the stage and so you're the only musician on stage basically out of two live musicians you're playing to track but because of that you're featured characters and obviously you know the whole Thing is based on Jennifer Batten, and they make it into this golden crazy character that shoots fire out of their guitar, and and like they're supposed to be the the sun goddess, and then there's the moon god, you know. So it's it's a really specific role, and so auditioning for it is just as specific. It's it doesn't have that same prerequisites that you would normally have on a gig like that where you're, you're expected to read certain things maybe or whatever like it wasn't like that at all like maybe I wouldn't have done well if I had auditioned for a regular Cirque show where like you know it's a completely different thing this is just a very specific roles again so um my journey with them started really when they were creating the show back in 2012 and they were literally sending out flyers online to every female guitar player and their mother that they could think about um and five six seven people sent me the same thing that day and was just like hey you should apply for this you know it was like it was very clear like this is what they're looking for um and i became a finalist that first time around and kind of stayed in touch with them throughout the years and when the role became available again i ended up uh auditioning again etc and and the the last time it was in person and i had to basically show them that i can play the beaded solo while walking backwards in heels because that's really what the role (laughs) entails if you're really getting down to it um and and you know and the rest kind of went from there you know You, you learn the role you learn what it's like to to work with people who are not musicians and when you're not in a band and it's it's a very different life you learn where the holes in the stage are at different times and uh, how to avoid the death traps of that theater and it, there's it's it's a different gig for sure but that's what's so beautiful about it because you you get this skill set that you, you don't really get somewhere else
1: so i just wonder at what at what point like what makes you say yeah i want to go for that you know what I mean? Is well, it because you want to challenge yourself? Is it because you want to do something very different? Like it must be different to actually play that guitar solo and I presume it has to be the same every night. Yeah, yeah. But you're playing to um, a recorded music and I don't know if that makes things different in the way that you would approach music because that would be very different than you playing with your band and right. playing a solo, yeah. right?
0: I mean all, all of those things you you kind of learn to account for and and figure out how to work with i i didn't really mind any of that i just i i knew it was a a great show to be a part of and at the time you know i went into it as a as a full-time position and i was looking for something like that in my life at that time and that was a very big step forward for me um i did the full-time thing for two years and then i couldn't do it anymore you know what i mean so like take that for what it's worth too it's like um not everybody can can be at those shows the rest of their lives i don't i don't think they're like meant for that you know so i'm really grateful that it can now still be a part of my life but be a part-time thing where it's not my entire existence because because that is the other side of a gig like that it's like 10 shows a week 48 weeks a year if you're not sick or injured you know you got they got to remember that we're musicians and not athletes they can't really compare us to the acrobats that are doing thousands and thousands of shows but they also have young career you know they end their careers early you know like by i'm 35 now i I would be ancient as an acrobat you know i'd be planning for my next career right now right and so it's a it's a different set of circumstances for them but you're working and being treated as if you're them. So that's, that's the different thing about it. And in a show where there is no band and no one to uh, kind of vouch for you or, or do your bidding in that way, you do kind of have to remind them like, Hey, my job here is not really the same as necessarily some of the cast.
1: Interesting. You know, uh, having said that um, when I was in Vegas a few years ago, I got Mm -hmm. a chance to interview somebody from Cirque du Soleil who, who I believe had the record for, and he was a guitar player. Oh, yeah. had, had, had the, the record, record for to... the amount
0: of shows. Oh my god. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, and it was like twenty thousand or something. Yeah, ridiculous. it's it's
0: ins- it's insane. I mean, it's it's lit. It's literally a sweatshop of of shows. It's a factory. Like Vegas is insane. People don't, you know, like, you know, how many touring cycles? Like, you would have to be touring well into your grave to gain twenty thousand shows. Like, like that. <laughs> You
1: know what I mean? You
0: know how many years that would take? Even if you were doing as many, like 300 dates a year, which is probably as as much as any touring act could ever think of doing, I hope, it still would take you more than the rest of your life. Yeah,
1: no, I don't know. I mean, he was into it. And he, yeah, you know, he played good. in a blues band outside of that or whatever. Yeah, so it was yeah, really yeah. cool. But um, But that's yeah, actually that's the most
0: impressive part of all. Because I think the longer somebody typically stays in that position, you do see some jadedness sometimes, or at the very least, you don't have that much time for another project. And even if you do have two two days a week, it, it's still like really your whole life. So I think that's the most admirable thing about your friend's story is like, to be kicking ass that hard and feeling good about it at that point, that's the real win.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so I wonder... You know, you started working on your solo career, I guess probably while you were at Berkeley, but you finished it, yeah. So when you take on these other roles, it has the potential of getting in the way of you establishing a solo career. Was that ever a, a concern?
0: It wasn't a concern. Actually, if anything, I uh, i mean, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it's really more of a concern now either. It's just, it feels like it's its more of a realistic now than it was maybe 10 years ago for me but um
1: sorry meaning doing your solo career is that what you mean
0: yeah like um I kind of if anything I looked at it as the opposite I always thought it's it's to supplement it's to it's to raise awareness to people about my solo career it's like it's it's helpful of it if anything then nothing like you know uh it's helpful to me broadening my horizons and what gets into my music afterwards like I mean I've kind of always thought of it as something that's helpful for my solo career it is now that I'm just like you know now I'm at the point where I'm trying to write my next album and I'm like well now I'm going on tour and now I'm going on tour again and 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 again I'm not complaining about any of it because I love performing this is that's what I do and I want to be on the road or whatever I do also want to write you know so it's not like I really feel like it's necessarily getting in the way but it's it's more just again it's just back to that juggling act where how how do you just figure out like what gets what priority and how much time and like sometimes you just can't control that to the to the t and you just have to accept do your do your best with it and accept what it is like that's all i've been able to do
1: (laughs) well it's a unique not unique problem but
0: It's a good problem to have, I feel. Yeah, Yeah, I I definitely feel fortunate to have that problem. But again, like going back to your question, it, it wasn't completely by accident. You know, that that was part of my my goal growing up, because, again, going back to guys like like Nuno, for example, or Steve Stevens and other players that I looked up to. That was kind of the career model that I had based it on. All those guys had a solo thing and they had side work, you know, whether whatever combination of the two, those were. And I figured luckily I feel like I'm very, very lucky for this particular thing that I figured out early on that, that's what was gonna make me happy. I always felt like I need more than one thing to not be bored. I need things to be different musically. If I do only my music, then I don't feel like I'm enough part of a team and a collaborative thing for other people. If I only do those things, and I feel like I'm not doing my music, you know. So it was very clear to me early on, luckily, that again, that um, that that kind of balance was was what I was looking for. That was a career goal, and so. Now it's just more like, how do we scale that, but also not go crazy.
1: <laughs> and, and would the priority be your solo career, or does it even? Well, work that's
0: out? I don't know. So I, you know, it's like that's that's a question that I I, I don't, I don't think I I think to me it's all kind of equal. You know, it's always been uh, to me I always thought of it as A and B. It's just now it's just more like A B C D. <laughs> you know, but uh, but yeah, it's I like to think it's all equal.
1: Okay, so I don't know if this is a fair question, but sorry, I do want to ask about your work with Danny Elfman. Mm -hmm. Tell me about how that came about.
0: Well, that um, really was just the most random thing that was based on a a recommendation of a composer named Mikel Hurwitz went to Berkeley with my brother, and he knew uh, Danny's studio manager, Melissa McGregor, and like, she was looking for a guitar player and she asked him and he recommended me and they called you know it was like really one of those actual word of mouth things and and a phone call that 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 i was still surprised by let's say i'm still surprised by it right um but their concern was my living in vegas not being in la and and my thing was kind of like let me come audition anyway i'm four hours away i can be there whenever you need i'm good like let's make this work and Luckily, the audition went well and, and Danny and I connected from, from the very start and really the rest was history. Honestly, the, the biggest part of it was that this was four years ago in the beginning of 2020 and we just all went right into that long break. So I, I had met everybody and the band had had like a rehearsal and a half before everything shut down. So uh, for me, it was like, I don't know, a month of this blur of something that happened and then the pandemic and i was like oh shit (laughs) what what now but you know it was it was very clear to us that we were a band and that luckily i can turn back now and tell the tale that it all worked out well and that we still got through the pandemic and the time of no shows and we still did coachella two years after we were supposed to and we still did everything so uh i'm happy i can say that now four years later (laughs)
1: Okay, I don't know if this is a fair question, but if we were to break down the different projects that you do, like what would playing with Danny Alfman's band, what does that do for you? But what, what does that give you? What do you walk away with?
0: Musically or? Yeah, uh, I yeah mean, musically. I mean, so much, obviously, like someone such a genius and prolific genius at that, i really just try to soak up everything i can whenever i'm in the room around someone like that and obviously the rest of the musicians are super high caliber and and i really feel that they're my home and they're my family and like that's how i feel about that camp it's such a large group of people and crew beyond just the band and the orchestra and i couldn't have asked for a better group of people like we all just can't wait for the next time that we get to play together that's that's generally the vibe (laughs) in in that camp which is rare and to be cherished i think you know so but musically it's just because it's you're right it's not a quote shred gig with let's say the exception of the lines in the simpsons or something but it's you're right it's like it's a different role it's definitely it's it's not showy like Cirque that's not what I'm there for you know and I'm there to be kind of one of three guitar players and figure out how the arrangements of sometimes old songs that have been rearranged a million times or new music how how I fit in that mosaic with two other guitar players and everybody else and how we figure out those parts and rehearsal and all these different things like that's the challenge to me about this band is like how are you how do you become an effective cog in a really really big machine and you know how do you just best service the music in that sense so i think that's what i get to it from it and that's and that's the challenge that i really wanted from a gig like that i wanted it to be like a big challenging collective effort but not have it be challenging in the ways that i'm used to being challenged like i'm used to being challenged technically and improvising wise, maybe, and things like that. But this is this is a different thing. It's a different beast. And like we're really creating this like it's it's the thing that has the most little pieces. So.
1: So if we take that next step, I think you kind of touched upon this, but with the Cirque du Soleil and the role that you play there, mm-hmm. tell me what you get out of that. or Excuse how me. does that change you musically?
0: So that to me, I felt oh. like, hey, it's not your time yet he knows when it's four zero zero you know because but he's trying to get away with it Relax. first of all the part where it's 10 shows a week and just the repetitiveness of practicing your live chops you can't really nothing can replace that you know so just in terms of like learning to be a good performer and a good live player and someone who can do the same stuff night after night and do it consistently, I think that's really what that gig gives you because you kind of have no choice. I mean, you know, like once you're doing it repetitively like that, that's just what comes out of it. Like you have to grow into the role. Like that's just what happens to anyone who, who does it long enough um, or you just don't survive there. Right. So, um, you know before i got there i was definitely the person that was really used to playing super difficult music all the time which meant that i'm always like kind of looking at my instrument and focusing and standing in one spot and whatever and that show forces you to get exactly away from that and dance around with everybody else and interact with other characters and do kind of more not acting but just it's really about the showmanship and so that teaches you a lot of stuff and I can bring a lot of that into Danny's show in a way that maybe I wouldn't have otherwise or, you know, I feel the freedom to to throw down a little bit harder when I have parts to play that aren't as challenging technically, but now I feel so comfortable with those 700 odd Cirque shows under my belt with a crazy heavy costume and wig when now you're you're on stage in your own clothes and your own guitar and you're like i'm super light i can jump around you know this is so much easier so it's just like everything is is different but I, at the end it all kind of connects back to having you in common you know
1: uh, the metal band
0: <laughs> death clock
1: death clock tell yeah. me what you what how that might influence your musicality
0: Uh, Well, I mean, I guess it makes everything heavier, right? Like, (laughs) that was actually the joke on this tour because um, I was working on my next album, like writing a lot of stuff on that tour and really demoing stuff that kind of had been jotted down before. Um, And and that was Brendan's joke, is that like, as the tour goes on, your record's going to get heavier and heavier. (laughs) Um, I don't know if it's really as direct as that, but, you know, a lot of times... I don't know if you can necessarily draw a completely direct line from one gig that you're doing to how it seeps into your music, and sometimes it may not show up until later, or it might not show up in a super, again, obvious way. So, it uh, your your guess is as good as mine in a lot of ways. You know, I don't know that I can always pinpoint to it, but I'm I know that everything gets in there. There's there's no way it doesn't. Like it's you're living it, you're playing it, you're breathing it when you're touring it especially it's like those are mental grooves you can't undo when you know when you play something live like that every night it's it really is in there
1: and so you're going to start a run with Cirque in January or later this month and then you're going to go with your band to Europe yeah um tell me musically where what else are you working on
0: Um, there's a couple other things, uh, that have not been announced yet. Um, and also Danny has, uh, we're doing a festival actually here in Vegas, luckily for me. Uh, (laughs) um, it's called sick new world and we're right before system of a down. So it's going to be a really fun night. It's a really great lineup, uh, festival. It's all bands like that and lamb of God and you know, so, um, that should be a pretty fun festival. I'm still working on that record, you know, like I, I, I want to say that's my priority. You know what I mean? But I just listed off like two other things. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, that's, that's all kind of on my, on my list. And then later in the year, there's, there's more death clock stuff. There's more Danny stuff. Um, you know, more of the same, but, uh, I, 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 you know, I can't say that's bad. I, I love being able to say that.
1: My final question to you at this stage in your career and it's like it's it's an amazing career. I look at this and Thank I think you, my god, she's done so much. I appreciate that. Um do you have goals?
0: Oh man, so many goals.
1: <laughs> well, that no, I, I do, guess that only no, really makes sense. No,
0: no, no. I no, it's a fair question. It is a fair question. I just just I'm almost there. Just um you know, I I always just want like more from my music, more listeners more people that are interested in that you know I'm always trying to just kind of get my stuff out there and to me that is always a goal but I'm just hoping for more of of everything that's coming whether that's with new uh, acts and projects but I don't know yet what's coming you know whether it's with my stuff I'm just it's all been so much more it's all been so so much fun that I just want as much of it as I can have i'm just not not super picky so i'm just kind of like let's see but it just it
1: also seems like the things that you've worked on in the past don't seem to go away well not still working yeah not on
0: wood yeah and that's why that's why it's like you know of course i have dreams um but i i don't feel like i have to be super specific because i'm just it's it's enough of a dream to just be continuing with what, what I'm doing. As you said, like, I just, I never know what the next thing is going to be. And that's the dream. That's the goal.
1: I, I just wonder if other opportunities come, you might have, that might get in the way of whatever you're working on, right?
0: You know, that's I, I, but another, it's a great it's another one, one of those good problems. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you, you wish for those problems on a certain level, even if you don't know how to deal with them when they're there. But, uh, but yeah, I think, I think every musician is, is really still still hoping for those problems. So that's what we throw out there.
1: <laughs> Good for you. Thank, Thank you so you. much for doing this. Thank really you, man. It.
0: That was a really fun conversation. I hope I uh, didn't stumble or babble too much. You know, it happens. But uh...
1: <laughs> Not at all. Thank you. you <laughs> Thank
0: you. Man. Take
1: your dog out for the walk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Marco. Okay, I appreciate take care. you. Have a great weekend.
1: You too. bye, bye.